All right. Well, I appreciate everyone being here this morning. Appreciate the opportunity to fill the pulpit this morning. Certainly good to have each of you here. And I'm trusting that you've come for no other reason than just to meet with the Lord today. Man, well, that's a blessing just to hear those kids singing out and just... Oh God, my God, I need you, how I need you now. And so, praise the Lord. Our theme uh, for January was the God who doesn't change, and that's exactly uh, right. So we can turn over a new year, but he's a God that doesn't change. As we move into February, we're talking about the love of God, so certainly appropriate there. And this morning, I want to preach a message out of Galatians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Specifically this morning, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And they asked, what's the title of the message today? And I said, well, the title of the message today is a chair and a bar of soap. A chair and a bar of soap. So you're thinking, how in the world are we going to preach on a chair and a bar of soap? So I'm going to bring that together now as we look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. As you look there in Galatians chapter 2, this is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So as Paul pins this word to the church at Galatia, obviously he had written to the church that was in southern Galatia. No doubt he had founded this church during his first missionary journey. And this letter is now pinned while Paul finds himself in Antioch. And the question that was being raised by the church of Galatia is how can sinful man come to be saved by a holy God? How do you bridge that gap between sinful man and a holy God? And I always like to put it into context as to how did we get to that verse? How did we get to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20? And in order to build up to that, I want you to turn back to Galatians chapter 1. In the first five verses there of Galatians chapter 1, we'll read this. Paul, an apostle... Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as we read that, we see that Paul pins this to the church at Galatia. And as he writes this, this morning he's basically saying, hey, you guys that are sitting together in the church, I want to remind you of what you've received, that grace and peace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 4, he kind of basically just gives us a real quick summary of what is the gospel. He says, he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So at this point, as we consider what Paul has for us this morning... We're all gathered in, and we could assume for just a moment that obviously we come together as a church, so this message is just as applicable to us as it was to the church at Galatia. But many times what I'm afraid of is that sometimes we come in and we slip into church and we find our place on the pew and we begin to think about the activities of the day 
or we begin to think about, man, what happened over the weekend, or we begin to think about, you know, this next week, man, it's going to be a busy week. I've got this going on, that going on, so I think I'll get out a piece of paper and I'll just doodle down some things or gee, I need to go to the grocery. And it's like, I need to go to the grocery. i got to put this on the list and make sure this is on there. And I, I may forget this. And so this morning, I want you to just for a little while to imagine yourself here this morning in this chair. Just all by yourself this morning. No distractions. Nobody looking around. But just allow for just a little while for the Lord to speak to you right where you're at. So as Paul opens this letter up to the church at Galatia, I want you to imagine just for a little bit that he's talking just to you. So as we consider ourselves there and we begin to unfold the scripture, just find your place in the message this morning. Let's open up at a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you, Lord, just for the privilege to come and worship you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord, and I pray this morning, Lord, that I would get out of the way and we would just be moved by the, your word. Lord, I thank you for our young people, Lord. I thank you for the song that we just were able to sing, Lord, and just bring praise to your name, Lord. Lord, I thank you for each week, our teachers and those who just instill in the hearts and lives of our young people, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for our pastor who week after week stands behind this pulpit to bring us the gospel message that you'd have for us. And this morning, Lord, as we settle into the message, Lord, I just pray that we would just position ourselves in this chair. Lord, we'd forget about the distractions. And Lord, for just a little while, we'd ask you to speak to us at our exact point of need. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue to look forward this morning and we consider... What Paul has, he basically says again, look, I want to remind you of the grace and I want to remind you of the peace that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I want to remind you of just the simplicity of the gospel. I want to remind you of what the gospel can bring to you and that is it has the power to deliver you from this evil world. But then as we continue to read on and we get to verse 6, he says this. He says, I marvel that you are so removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel. He goes on in verse 7 through 9 to say, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we had preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So if you'll recognize just for a minute, he opens up and he says, listen, I want to remind you of the grace and the peace you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you of the simplicity of the gospel, the gospel in that Jesus died for your sins so that you may be free from the evil that exists in this present world. But as he moves on to verse 6, he says, you know what? I marvel. It blows my mind. I don't understand that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, if we look at the church at Galatia, obviously what they're doing there is they're starting to add things back to the simplicity of the gospel. They're going back to the law and putting themselves up underneath the things of the law. But how many times do we as Christians try to add to the gospel? 
How many times if we're sitting in this chair this morning, just us and the Lord, would he look down and would he say, hey, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ under another gospel. He speaks of those who brought you to that point, those who would distort the gospel of Christ. He said, may they be accursed. But to us, he brings that same warning as well. Listen, we live in a world today that you can find a church that will tell you exactly what you want to hear. We live in a world today that you can find a Bible that will make you comfortable in your sin. But that doesn't change the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why is it that the world is so crafty? Why are they looking to just distort just a little bit the gospel? Can I tell you this? It's with a desire to bring destruction to us. You see, if Satan can cause us to begin to doubt the word of God, then he can lead us down a path that's going to destroy us. All it takes is that one little bit of evidence of doubt. So as we sit this morning and we think, I just wonder, how often have we gotten away from the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? How often could it be said of us that we're looking to justify our sin in spite of the gospel? You see, we live in a world that's not promoting Christianity and, hey, I want to see you succeed as a Christian and I want to make sure that you're living under the precepts of God's word. We're living in a world today that says, hey, I want you to do what feels right for you and it's all going to work out okay. But it's not. But it's not. As we continue to read on there in verse 10, how do we get to that point? How is it that people can be so soon removed from the gospel? Paul says in verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The answer is this. How do we get so far removed from God? We get so far removed from God because we find ourselves so much more interested in pleasing men than God. Again, right back to the chair. It's just you and the Lord this morning. There's nobody around. You came to church. The message is to the church. But more importantly this morning, God's just speaking to you. And he's asking you the simple question. Are you removed from the truth of the gospel? Do you seek to please men more so than yourselves? Why are you even at church today? Are you here in hopes that someone can see you? Are you here in hopes that you can say, I've checked that off my list, so that's all I need to do for Christ this week? We ought to be in church because we have a desire to worship the true and living God. We ought to be in church because we have a desire to be in this chair and allow him to speak just to us. But you see, as we see this, so many people are just persuaded more so by men than they are of God. They're looking to please men more so than God. Think about the structure in society that we create. It starts off at a very early age. When you go to the elementary school and you go to kindergarten, you're placed in classes. So you have this class for kindergarten, you have this class, you have this class, and everything's in order by those classes. 
So when they get released to go to lunch, this class may go first, and they all have to line up, A, B, C, however, they have to walk down the hall. As it gets a little bit beyond that, we move into third grade, we start introducing the SOLs and all those type things. So you know then what we do in our academic society? We begin to segregate. Well, let's, let's class them this way now. Let's look at advanced placement classes for these folks. Let's look at inclusion classes for these folks. Let's begin to separate or, or bring out these different things. We do it in sports. We break up into teams and we create these teams and then we even break that out even a little bit further. Let's create all-stars. So these can be our top players over here and they're aspiring to be this all-star and nothing wrong with that at all but I'm going to tell you the problem it has with regard to church and religion as we continue to move forward. From there we look at high school and we think about all the sports clubs or the different academic clubs or the clubs that you can be a part of and we begin to socialize things by that and the clubs that you're a part of. You move on to college and then you have the opportunity in college I can be a part of this sorority this group of girls who you know would welcome me in and I can have the same traits with them or I can be part of this fraternity as a guy and you know as part of our creed we're going to have this chant that we do and we're going to have these set of precepts that we follow and we're going to look at these things and we begin to segregate and put those things in places such as that then after college we get into the workplace from a workplace, every single year we do a merit process. And through that merit process, we put everybody on a bell curve and we say, hey, these are the good performers. These are the not so good performers. These are the ones that are just average and let's just average them out right here. You know, I do health and safety. So one thing we do is let's look at focus sites. Those focus sites who have a bad year last year in terms of recordability. And let's pull them out and look at those just a little more detail than we would other folks. But look at that classification and that pull out and putting people in different sects and in different groups and yet we find ourselves as Paul says here to the church of Galatia why are you looking so much to please men other than God you see regardless if you're an all-star ball player regardless if you're president of your fraternity regardless if you're a top top five performer regardless of who you are you still are equal at the foot of the cross there is no difference in how you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet we have created this idea from a societal perspective that says, you know what, these people somehow have things a little bit different than these people over here. We're dividing out and looking at those type things there. And all the while, the Lord says, listen, the simplicity of the gospel is this. I sent my son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. Right where you're at. And in order to have eternal life through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, you simply have to confess yourself as a sinner, recognize your need for a Savior, and you shall be saved. It's that simple. You see, somehow we create this idea. Let me tell you, the more accolades you've got behind your name, the more accolades of things you've got. And this is just a side note. This is one thing that drives me crazy. When you go to uh, a church or an event and they want to say, hey, I'd like to introduce our pastor this morning. This pastor is Dr. So-and-so and they've written this book and that book and they've done this podcast and that podcast and they've done all these great things and they're going to bring you the message of the gospel. That turns me off right away. I'd much rather hear, hey, this is a man who just prayed about what the Lord would have for him to deliver to the congregation, and that's what he wants to bring you this morning. 
That says it all. You don't have to have all that stuff behind your name. See, the problem in our society today, the problem we have as Americans is we don't even recognize our need for a Savior. We are so comfortable in all the creature comforts that we've had. Many times we've been promoted to these ideas in society of, whoa, you've achieved great things because of all these accolades you can put behind your name. And all the while, that allows it to be that much difficult to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? We can look at all those things. We can just look at the promises of God's word and we can say, you know, Lord, I desire to be in your gospel, but let me ask you this. What are you more interested in? It's just you in this chair this morning. Nobody else is looking around. When you wake up in the morning, what thing burns in your heart? What thing do you have to get off your chest right away? Is your first instinct to reach over and grab your phone and to scroll through and see... Well, let me just see what's happening. Let me look on social media here. Or is your first thing to say, you know what, I just need to spend a little bit of time with the Lord this morning just to start my day. Is our priority, I got to get ready really quick so I can catch this segment on this show. Is your priority to say, man, I'm going to push it just to the wire so I can get to work right on time and I'll try to squeeze the Lord in somewhere. The world's going to promise you great things. The world's going to promise you great success. But the greatest thing you could ever possess is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the greatest thing you could ever possess. The world is looking to justify sin. And in that justification of sin, gone is accountability. In that justification of sin, gone is respect for authority. Blurred are the lines between right and wrong, not because what we think is right or wrong, but because we don't compare it to the truth of God's word. And weak are Christians who are so soon removed from him that called you in the grace of Christ into another gospel. Watering down the truth of God's word. Now, as Paul begins to open this up, he says, by what authority do I have to even preach these things or write these things to you at the church at Galatia? What authority am I looking at? Look what it says there, chapter 1, verse 13. Chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous in the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, listen, I'm just going to tell you who I used to be. Who I used to be is staunch in going against Christians and persecuting Christians. But he said, I'm going to tell you who I've become after I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, you know what? This is the authority that I'm going on and that's just the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning as I'm preaching to you, it has nothing to do with me or what my opinion is. This is the word of God. And God to the church of Galatia, just like he wants to 
preach to the church of Gross's Creek, he said, I just want to remind you of some things. I just want you to get settled in on some things. Now, you'll remember that we started out and we said, you know, how is it you're so soon removed from the gospel? How can you get so far removed from the truth of God's word? How is it that people can believe all these crazy things that they believe? Or add to all these crazy things? All in a desire just to find themselves pleased and to justify their sin. Well, they do that because they desire to please men rather than God. They do that because somehow they think, because I've arrived at this point in society, that I don't have the same need as someone else. Or they don't even recognize their need for a Savior. But you know what that's bled over to? You know what we have today? We have comparison Christianity. That's what we have today, comparison Christianity. Again, this morning, it's just you in this chair all by yourself. But in our Christian world today, we compare ourselves to, well, you know what, I'm a better Christian than them because I do this. Well, you know what, my church is better than that church because we have this kind of music. Well, you know what, that lady's not quite as much of a Christian as me because she wears makeup and different things. You know what, if you were truly a Christian, you would do this, 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 and this. That's how you do, is the mark of a Christian. Even all the way back at the church at Galatia, Paul had to call out Peter for doing the same thing. Look at the problem of comparison Christianity. Look what happens here. Jump with me to chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11, it says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul said, listen, Peter did something and I had to call him out on it. What did he do? He said, before that there certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch as Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So what he's doing is saying this. Look, Peter was just fine. He was hanging out. He was eating with the Gentiles. Everything was good. But then when the Old Testament police came, the cops came that say, hey, you're not following all aspects of the law. You're eating pork over here. You're hanging out with those that are uncircumcised over here. If you truly want to be holy, you'll keep all those aspects of the law. Paul said, what are you talking about? That's insane. Why would you just distort the simplicity of the gospel of Christ? Verse 14, Paul says this, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Verse 16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even he have, or even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is there therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. He's saying, Peter, what are you doing? 
Why in the world are you doing this comparison Christianity? Why is it that you're basing Christianity on keeping the aspects of the law, which you know have nothing to do with bringing someone to salvation? When you were with them and hanging out, you were okay. But when the religious sect started coming around, you decided, man, I need to come over here. I need to come over here to people pleasing and do what they expect me to do. Religion today is a pendulum that swings from ultra-legalistic way over here to sin however you want to and it's going to be okay. That's the two divides we have today. But can I tell you, true religion is nothing more than Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus crucified for our sins and that if we would believe in him, we should not perish but have everlasting life. Now let's come back to the chair this morning. It's just you. It's just you in the chair this morning. And I want to tell you, your spirituality, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ has nothing to do with what other people think about you. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ has nothing to do with this list of do's and don'ts that you ought to be keeping and you ought to not keep. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't even have anything to do with what the church thinks you ought to be doing. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is between you and it's between him. But how do you know it's right? How do you know it's right? How do you know you have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? That brings us to the bar of soap. The bar of soap. Before we get into Galatians 2.20, Billy Graham was once asked this. So someone once asked Billy Graham, if Christianity is valid, then why is there so much evil in the world? His response was this. With so much soap, why are there so many dirty people in the world? He said Christianity is like soap. It must be personally applied if it's going to make a difference in our lives. Christianity is like soap. It's got to be personally applied if it's going to make a difference in our lives. That brings us to Galatians 2.20. It's 11.55, but I want you to hang in there for just a little bit. Galatians 2.20. Let's read through that. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to look at the two subjects. I and Jesus Christ. That's it. I and Jesus Christ. Eight times in that verse, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your Christianity is not defined by do's and don'ts. Your Christianity is defined by have you personally applied the Lord Jesus Christ to your life? Have you personally applied the Lord Jesus Christ to your life? What does that look like? It embodies exactly what Paul said. Paul had an opportunity to, to... 
preached to the church at Galatia, that church that he had first established, that church that had gotten so soon removed from the gospel, that church that was interested in forming and chasing after man instead of just the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and serving God. He says this. He says, this is how you know if your relationship is right. This is how you know if your relationship is right. It begins with, I am crucified with Christ. I am dead to myself and born again in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 says it this way. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I am crucified with Christ. How do I know I'm personally applying it? You know you're personally applying it if you have a desire to be pleasing to the Lord more so than serving your own flesh. And every one of us can only answer that question for ourselves. But each and every decision that we make is just that. It's a decision to either serve the Lord or serve our flesh. Paul said, you know what? I'm going to tell you how you know you've got a right relationship. It's because you're not chasing after sin. You're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In other words, it, it's not that I'm not living my life anymore because everybody knows I'm still living. I'm now living my life, but you know what the difference is? I'm not chasing after the flesh. I'm not chasing after the flesh. Listen, this is the reality. Your Christianity is not about who you are when you come into the walls of this church. When you come into the walls of this church, we all expect us to say, hey, listen, I just had a fight with my kids, my family on the way to work, whatever. You get to church, how's it going? It's lovely. We're great. Praise the Lord. Everything's good. So happy to be here today. Brother Brian, would you like to pray for us this morning? Absolutely. Dear Lord, you know, just all happy and good. We know all the right things to say. Did you bring your Bible this morning? Yes, I brought my Bible. Everything's good. I'm going to sing out to the Lord. All the while, you can be living for the devil. It has nothing to do with who you are at church. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We ought to have a desire not to chase after the flesh, not to chase after sin, not to chase after the things of the world, but simply to know that I'm right with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we put all these do's and don'ts in place, and you don't even have to. If I'm not falling prey to sin, and I'm not chasing after the flesh, I really don't have anything to worry about. I'm doing what God had called me to do. He's my standard. He's who I need to worry about. But as it talks about and it goes on, it says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It says, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You know what it says? The life I now live in my flesh, I live by the faith. Now this is great. King James Version, I want you to get this right here. I live by the faith of the Son of God. It doesn't even say in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God. It says I live by faith of the Son of God. If we're all bish being real honest, sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. If we're all being real honest, sometimes we don't always make the right decisions. Sometimes we don't always say the right things. Sometimes we don't always do the right things. Sometimes we don't always have the right responses. Sometimes we have our priorities all screwed up and we're not doing those things that we need to do. But you know what Christianity is? Christianity is just about being real. Just about coming to the Lord and saying, you know what, I just want to confess to you, this is exactly who I am, warts and all. 
But the life I'm living now, I'm trying to live in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. I just want to personally apply what he's done for me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, think about that. It's just you this morning. Just before the Lord, he knows everything about you. And yet, in spite of it all, he loves you anyway. In spite of it all, he loves you anyway. He loves you so much that he gave himself for you. Think about that. So we have to ask ourselves, where am I this morning? Where am I this morning? As Paul came to this verse, it was all about just a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. As Billy Graham said, he said, soap's no good unless you personally apply it. You're going to stink unless you personally apply it. But as we come to that thought and that just idea this morning, you got to ask yourself, am I frustrating the grace of God? That's what it says in verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You know what the Bible's closing out there? Paul's just simply saying this. Look, Christianity plus anything else is not Christianity. Christianity is you and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Matthew Henry wrote a commentary, and I think it sums these last two verses up very well. It says this. It says, For to believe in Christ crucified is not only believe that he was crucified, but also to believe that I am crucified with him. And this is to know Christ crucified. Hence, we learn what is the nature of grace. God's grace cannot stand with man's merit. Grace is no grace unless it is freely given in every way. The more simply the believer relies on Christ for everything, the more devotedly does he walk before him in all his ordinances and commandments. Christ lives and reigns in him, and he lives here on earth by faith in the Son of God, which works by love, causes obedience, and changes into his holy image. Thus, he neither abuses the grace of God nor makes it in vain. The question is this. It's just you this morning. In the chair, hearing the message. But can you say, I've been crucified with Christ? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, if we can claim that because we personally applied it, it won't matter what anybody else says. It won't matter about what this religion says about this religion because our comparison has nothing to do with an earthly comparison. It has everything to do with a heavenly comparison. Let's close in prayer.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, we just want to thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity for just a little while to open up your word and share what Paul shared to the church at Galatia, Lord. And Lord, as we're seated here this morning, Lord, again, I just want to just allow us for just a moment to position ourselves just before you and nobody else. Lord, the first question we have to ask ourselves is this. Has there come a time in our life when we've personally asked you to come into our hearts and to save us, Lord? And Lord, if we have been saved and perhaps saved for some time, are we frustrating the gospel, Lord, by adding things to it or seeking to justify our own sin? Are we simply designed to leave a, a desiring rather to lead a life that's pleasing unto you? Lord, it has everything to do with that personal application, ourself unto you. So Lord, let us just take just a couple of minutes just to examine our own lives and ask ourselves, number one, do I know for certain I'm saved? Because if I don't know for certain I'm saved, I'll never experience the grace and peace you desire for us. And Lord, secondly, if I'm saved and I'm a Christian, have I frustrated the gospel so soon after believing? Lord, let our desire be to please you and you only. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you don't mind, let's all stand this morning just for a time of invitation. We won't belabor the invitation this morning, but I just want to give you an opportunity just to respond to the Lord. If you're here this morning and you could say, you know what, I don't know for certain that I'm saved. I think maybe, I hope so, but I don't know so. Can I tell you, God's a God of a no-so salvation. We don't have to wonder, we don't have to question, we can know for certain. Don't complicate the gospel. Don't think you got to get everything cleaned up and just right or you got to get all these things in order. Coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is simply coming just as you are and trust in Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And then for those of us who are Christians, perhaps this morning the Lord's rebuked us and said, you know, I spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think instead of what the Lord thinks. I spend a lot of time adding to the simplicity of the gospel to justify the things I'm doing. Or I'm not daily, personally, applying so thereby frustrating the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get out of here without doing business with the Lord. If there's someone here this morning that needs to just get something off their chest, get something settled, come to the altar and let us help you this morning. All right. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you for being in your place today. Thank you for the opportunity to preach and fill the pulpit this morning. I certainly do appreciate that. I'm just going to pray that the Lord will bless you as you go your separate ways. It's so good to see our familiar faces and have some visitors with us here today as well. So thank you all uh, for coming out today and being in God's place. You know what? We're never anywhere by just coincidence. We're where God wants us to be on purpose. So I just pray that the Lord has just encouraged you this morning. So Ben, if you don't mind to come up and close us this morning, I appreciate you.
pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the ability to come here. Lord, we thank you for what we've heard today, Lord, and just the blessing and your presence today, both in the singing and with the Sunday school and with Brother Brian. Lord, we just thank you so much for meeting with us here. Lord, as we go into this week, Lord, and we enter into the world, we just ask you to be with us, Lord, and this message will carry it with us. And be back here Wednesday night, Lord, as we can, and just get to meet again with fellowship with fellow Christians. And Lord, so much of what Brian said, Lord, is just we take it to heart, Lord, and just know that we're, we're not here to please anybody but you, Lord, and that's our, our goal is our personal relationship with you as Christ. Now go with each and all of us in church as we go our separate ways and all those that we've prayed for and that we've mentioned, Lord, just continue to keep those on our mind as we pray for them that your will will be done. And all these things I pray in your son's name. Amen.